0: The Healthy High Podcast has been designed to inform and entertain, not provide medical advice. While the show is hosted by medical professionals, you should always consult your physician when it comes to your personal health or before you start any treatments. Hey, 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 everybody. My name is Ashley Smith, and I am the host of the Healthy High Podcast. On today's episode, I'll be discussing what to expect when you visit an emergency room. So, research has shown us that minorities get the worst care, which leads to poor health. Research also shows us that African Americans have an 11 minute longer wait time than the average white person in an emergency room. So, join me and my co host while we talk about what to expect or what the process should look like when you go to the emergency room. So, sit back relax and let's jump right on in hey guys so on today's episode i have a co-host he's a registered nurse i have worked with him for many many years andrew spelling how are you today
1: i'm good how you doing ash
0: I'm good. I'm good. So I call him spelling because he's my dear friend. And that's just what I have called him forever and ever. And everybody calls you that. Yeah, but, pretty
1: much. <laughs> so tell,
0: tell the people a little bit about your work experience and how long you've been a nurse and things like that.
1: Um, I started off as a nurse in like 2005, 2006, between that time. Um, I started off as an LPN, furthered my education as an RN. Uh, 2010 is when I started practicing as an RN. I work med surge, chemo, tele, psych, stroke. I cross trained for critical care, um, and I've been doing ER and trauma for the past 10 years at this point right now. I am, I'm the charge nurse inside my emergency I'm one of the charge nurses inside my emergency room. I work at a level one trauma institution, and it gets a little bit crazy there sometimes.
0: No, it doesn't get a little bit crazy there sometimes. It's lit all the time in that ER.
1: Honestly, nah, you you talking facts? It's always (laughs) late (laughs) in there, especially at night, because you were working
0: at night, right?
1: Yo, at nights, let me tell you, the shit that be happening at nights, like if I tell people, sometimes when I tell people the shit that be happening, they don't believe me. They look at me like I'm crazy.
0: No, but it's it's facts, like straight facts. I know when I trained in the ER during my training, I they had me on like the eleven to eleven shift. Mm-hmm. yo shit would be quiet for a good bit of the day by time like 6 o'clock PM it, and then by time it was like 10 o'clock it was a wrap I was like oh I would be like I can't wait to get out of here Nighttime in that ER is it's a mess it's it's a hot diggity doggone mess
1: yeah like this the shit that I've done seen and that I had to go through me and my staff like yo it, it, it'd be crazy man it'd be crazy it's like yo like the like the notifications and the shit that comes through the door, like, I can't even make it up. Yeah. And the notifications that are there is insane sometimes. I definitely believe that. You gotta, you gotta, in a way, you gotta love it to do it, man. Yeah. I like like what I do. Yeah, but you love the chaos, right? Me too. I guess in some sick way, I like the chaos, you know? (laughs) Like, I gotta openly admit to the shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, before we get into the episode, I know you are starting a new venture. You want to talk about your new venture that you're starting?
1: Well, yeah. As of right now, I'm currently in the process of transferring to cardiac cath. You know, okay. it's completely different. I just wanted to give something else a try. You know, I feel like, you know, as a nurse, you know, more knowledge is power. Right, power, right. You know, and, you know, it's good to have extra arsenal under your belt so you can be more marketable in the profession. So, right. you know, I'm leaving... Right now, I'm in the process of leaving the emergency room, and I'm going to be starting cardiac calf. You know, I'm not, I'm still going to do some ER every now and then per diem because I don't want to lose my ER skills. Like, ER, that's still my heart, regardless right. of what you know. I still want to, I want to get other things under my belt. I'm, I've always been curious about the whole cardiac calf thing. Because, you know, usually in the ER, we got STEMIs that come in, and we got to bring them upstairs. And Listen, the you process. can't.
0: you <laughs> can't be talking nursing and shit. Like, people are going to be like, what the hell is a stent? Oh,
1: my bad. So, you know, bet somebody got a heart attack, which means they got a blockage in the heart that's stopping the heart from pumping blood right. to the rest of the body. So, you know, right. you take them a cardiac calf, cardiac cath, they stick that stent inside that bad boy inside your artery. Poof. We got Right, to open going. it up. Boom. Right, open so that, that we can up. have
0: some. And listen, if you don't know what an artery is, please go back two weeks. I did discuss in maintaining a healthy heart or why I love my heart. Sorry, my why I love my heart episode Talks about what an artery is and the importance of an artery. So, yes. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you are, um, like, catching people when they're having a heart attack. And now you're transitioning into actually treating people that have a heart attack.
1: Exactly. I'm going to be there. Not only that, my institution, we also do, we have, like, neurological intervention. So, pretty much, like, you know, if they're coming, like, as a stroke code, and if we detect a blockage you know, pretty much they're doing that now. They got interventional radiology. They do pacemaker places. So, you know, it's a little bit of a different pace. You know, right. I want to I see what it's about. So, you know, I'm actually very excited to start.
0: I'm excited for you. Thanks. That's cool. That's cool. It. So you also have, a, like, outside of work, you have another little venture that you're getting started. You want to tell us about that a little bit? before Yeah, you get so, into you know, that
1: right now it's in the works. Pretty much I'm going to be starting a podcast soon. You know, my podcast is going to be based on It's going to cater to mostly, I'm going to try to make it in a way it can cater to anybody. It's going to be nurse driven, of course, but you know, I'm going to speak and I'm going to make it in a way where anybody could just tune in and understand and, you know, just listen to any time it's going on, you know, it'll cater to nursing students, nurses that are already working, people that are going to nursing school, people who are curious about the profession, or just sometimes I might randomly just talk about things that are happening in healthcare, et cetera, things like that. So, you know, I'm
0: excited. You know, I'm tuning in.
1: I yeah, I appreciate that. Definitely
0: yeah. tune it in. So once you get the details, the name, your IG handle, and everything together, let me know. I will definitely let the people know.
1: Absolutely, so that I they can
0: listen to the podcast. So that. there is like mounting research that shows that minorities are treated differently than white people when they go to the emergency room, and some reasons like include. Um, inherently racist system, like our system is just racist, like back to the Jim Crow law days, our system is just racist. Um, So that's one of the reasons. And another reason is that some doctors just had their own subconscious prejudices, which I think, again, is inherently racist like that inherited racist system so because of these findings um i thought it would be important to discuss what to expect when black people visit the emergency room right because like you just said education is power learning is power so i feel that the more we can educate our people on what a visit to the emergency room looks like it's a better chance of them to one make it out alive And two, get the proper treatment that they need. Mm -hmm. So this episode will be based around what to expect when you visit the ER, right? Mm -hmm. So initially, when you visit the ER, you're triaged. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have like a walk-in triage versus an ambulance triage. So first, we're going to really talk about walk-in triage. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, a walk-in triage is not really an emergency, right? I mean, listen, there are some cases where people walk in and, you know, Mm -hmm. shit is crazy. Mm -hmm. But majority of the time, um, a walk-in triage is a situation that's not really, really
1: an emergency, right? I guess you could kind of say that it's all depending. Because first of all, like an emergency, everybody in their own mindset in their own reality thinks that they're having an emergency when they're in the emergency room. So it's like, yo, who the fuck am I to say, yo, that shit is not an emergency. That's just something you don't say to people. With the whole walk and triage thing, it's like, it's not that it's an emergency, but maybe your emergency situation that you're going through may be of of a lesser priority. Compared to other people's situations. All right.
0: So I guess maybe like the biggest difference is that when you're doing a walk in triage, you can walk in. Yes. When you're doing an ambulance triage, you're brought in by the ambulance because someone called 911 exactly. or there was some type of really, really emergent situation,
1: exactly. if that yes. makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Usually you're walking triage. They usually get there by a car, by a taxi, or they just walk in. Ambulance triage that. basically is the ambulance bringing you to the hospital. They bring you to a different part of the ER, pretty much, which is usually the back entrance where the ambulance would pull up, and there's an ambulance triage nurse that's there waiting to triage you. And, for pl- and to place you
0: so let's talk about what triage even is because people may not even know what triage is so initially when you do a walk-in in the emergency room what's the first thing that's happening
1: well because well things have changed a little bit now because we're in a pandemic with covid right. the first thing like you know the triage nurse will ask you for you know First, they'll ask you as far as for your name and things like that. And then the first set of things they're going to ask you, because when a pandemic is, have you traveled recently out the country? Are you experiencing any fever, any shortness of breath, any coughing as of recently? Have you been exposed to anybody with COVID? And have you been tested for COVID as of recently, et cetera, things like that? Because right. because of what's going on right now, it seems like, you know, COVID is the main thing. COVID-19 right. is the main thing that they're screening. So it's for. a
0: little bit of like a surveillance. For yeah, yeah
1: So, once that screening is done, let's just say, okay, you're coming with like a regular problem. Okay, you know, the way how my institution has it set up is that, you know, you have a greeter nurse that's there. The greeter nurse will put you in the system and walk in triage. And, you know, the greeter nurse does like a quick screening to see, all right, what you're here for. And, you know, sometimes they'll know if you need to go inside right away or you can be triaged right out there and it'll be fine. For example, like you know, um anybody who's coming in with chest pain.
0: Well, that- listen, listen. Well, be careful, because then you give the people the idea that everybody could go in and say they have chest pain.
1: That's true. That's and true. And they
0: and they can be seen. So while I love to educate my people, I am still a nurse, mm-hmm. right? And so it's important that as I reveal these gems, we let them know. Listen, don't be coming in lying, talking about you got chest pain because mm-hmm. you want to be seen right away. Mm-hmm. Like that's true. Not
1: that's true. Because we we,
0: a EKG will let
1: us know. A EKG but will away, always tell the truth.
0: And and what an EKG is, I say that like you know, I have to remember that all people may not know what an EKG is. So, a EKG is just like you get like little leads put on your chest, little things put on your chest, and we check the waveforms of the heart. Our heart gives off electrical impulses and this machine picks up those electrical impulses if i'm putting it as simple as possible and it creates a graph and we can read the graph to see whether or not you are having a a chest you know a heart attack that which is the main reason why you would have chest pain outside of like indigestion so don't come in lying basically we know okay we can find out we,
1: we always know
0: so don't come in lying <laughs> talking about you got chest pain because you want to fly through triage. But if in fact your chest pain is, is real, yes, the greeter nurse can bypass the triage and 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 get you to the proper area to be treated because that's a an emergent situation. Yeah. But so you see the greeter, and then once you see the greeter, most likely you're seated for a for a minute, depending on how busy the walk-in triage is, mm-hmm. and then you are going to see the actual triage nurse yes that's so, correct
1: because the so purpose what is of the, the
0: difference between the greeter and the
1: triage nurse the greeter pretty much is the first person you're going to come in contact with in the hospital you know if anything if it's a dire emergency situation the greeter will get you seen on the spot right away you know let's not use let's just say we use something extreme as let's just say somebody comes with a gunshot wound the greeter right. is gonna take you to where you need to be taken right away to be seen right away or let's say somebody who's unresponsive in a car these situations do happen you know sure. but let's just say that's not the case you come in you know you're having some issues whatever personal issues you're having the greeter will put you in the system and then we'll sit you down and then the triage nurse will triage you the triage nurse is going to go through a series of questions with you and a, th- a bit of a thorough assessment with you as well to fine-tune what your problem is now as far as for triage the definition of triage is basically like The triage nurse, and as far as triaging, basically, you're assigning a level of urgency based on that person's assessment. So, basically, the triage nurse is basically saying, how urgent is your situation right now?
0: Right. So, the triage nurse is um, determining importance in the most simplest terms. And what's crazy is, as I was doing research for this podcast, I see that, like, some people are debating whether or not triaging is even not to say not helpful, but if it's racially biased, right? Because at the end of the day, research is showing that Black people, not only Black people, but minorities are being treated differently when they go to the ER. Triage is something so objective that people are worried that minorities are being even triaged much differently than white people. Mm-hmm. So Very when you're being Right. So when you're being triaged, make sure you are really giving full explanation of why you're there. And if you at any time feel like the triage nurse is not maybe taking you seriously, there's nothing wrong with asking to see someone else. Mm -hmm. Right. In the kindest way possible. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be nasty. You just let them know. Or even if after they triage you, you feel like they seat you and they're not urgently treating you because of, you know, and you feel bad, mm-hmm. then you can always ask to speak to someone a level up, mm-hmm. a manager, a charge nurse, whatever. That's true. So just be mindful when it comes to triage. So in the triage, also, there's going to be vital signs taken, which is your blood pressure. They may take your temperature. They're going to check your respiratory rate. Um, they're going to take a list of your complaints. Like Spelling said, they're going to ask you many, many questions. Um, and then they're going to assign you to an area depending on your importance. Mm-hmm. So following triage, what's next?
1: After triage, you'll get registered by the registration department. The okay. registration department now I need you guys to understand, they are non-clinical staff members. Their purpose is they obtain your personal information, like, you know, gonna, they, as far as verifying your identification, social security, insurance or method of payment for your visit there. That's what registration is doing. If you don't have a way as far as maybe paying your hospital fees, they'll actually help you with come up with ways to pay They'll speak to you. But that's what registration does. So you guys have to understand that's the difference between triage and registration.
0: Right. So they have they they have minimal knowledge on clinical stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're not gonna ask you anything about your diagnosis, they're not gonna ask you anything about your history. All of those things would have been asked by the triage nurse, mm-hmm. right? not your registration personnel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they also may verify like your address and you know stuff like that. Yeah. So once registered, next you are going to the area in which you are assigned to, depending on where the triage nurse feels that you should go, exactly. depending on importance, right? Exactly. Exactly. So once assigned to that area, what's happening? spelling? Once
1: you're assigned to that area, and you guys have to remember, here's the thing. When, after your registration is done, sometimes you'll be in the waiting area for a little bit. And I need you guys to remember, um, the most urgent patient is the one who's seen first. You know, so sometimes you may say, oh, this person is going in quicker than I am or I got here before this person. The patients who are the sickest are the ones who need to be seen first. I need uh, just... To keep it simple, you know, not to sound so harsh, but I'm going to keep it real. Whoever looks like they, whoever's possibly may die first is the one who needs to be seen first. Period. That's that's just how it is. It's just how it is. You know, so that's what we do as far as prioritizing patients. So once you're assigned to the area, you're going to be met by a nurse and a PCA or CNA or a tech, whichever they use in their ERs, you know. They're going to orient you to the ER, try to get you comfortable in the bed. And then the RN who's assigned to you is going to do a quick assessment. You know, they're going to get more in detail as far as the issues that you're having. And the reason why... And
0: they need to touch you, okay? When they assess you, the nurse or the doctor, they need to touch you. They should have a stethoscope. Mm -hmm. They should listen to your lungs, they should listen to your heart, they should listen to your stomach. They should do a full, what we call, head-to-toe assessment, even if you come in just complaining about your toe. Mm-hmm.
1: If you come they in, should, and also, they I should, want to add to that, like, pretty much, as a matter of fact, yeah, they should be doing a full head-to-toe assessment. They should be tapping on your abdomen, feeling for tenderness, things like that. If you're having back pain, checking your spine, et cetera, you know
0: yeah and another thing i want to add once you get assigned to your area and you meet your nurse i would ask about shifts Mm -hmm. like are you guys on an eight hour shift are you guys on a 10 hour shift are you guys on a 12 hour shift because the worst thing is that you get acclimated to a nurse there's a change of shift you don't know who the nurse is there's chaos going on have an idea of how when your nurse is leaving so that you know to start looking out for a new nurse or you get the attention of the nurse before she leaves to find out who she's giving report to. You always want to be aware of the personnel that's taking care of you. Mm -hmm. Everyone that comes in contact with you should be introducing themselves, telling you their name and giving you their title. Mm -hmm. And they should let you know that they are going to be treating you for this duration of time, whatever time that's gonna be
1: make sure you always know who your nurse is make sure okay. that's very important that's something that i do when i change shift If i'm taking report from the morning shift like if i'm pretty much at an assigned area and take a report i always make rounds to see my patients and introduce myself to them you know and mm-hmm. that way you know your patient won't be confused of who's my nurse and et cetera, things like that. You like, you know, you'll be able to give them information, communicate, you know, and the nurses should be communicating with you based on what's going on with you. If your blood work resulted, possibly may be admitted, et cetera, things like that. They should be communicating with you.
0: Right. Be- so that's the person. That's the go-to person. Yeah. That That is definitely your go-to person. So you want to always know who that person and is. And I find that
1: communication goes a very long way right especially in this field it really does like you know you'll be surprised the amount of stress and anxiety you can decrease in a patient just by communicating with them right So.
0: so okay so now you get to your area you find out who your nurse is she does a very good assessment on you she may ask you some questions and listen There's going to the triage. The greeter asks you why you here. The triage nurse going to ask you why you here. Your nurse going to ask you why you here. And then guess what? The doctor going to come and ask why you here. So listen, get ready, gear up, because at the end of the day, each person needs to make their own assessment. So nurses and doctors, we all are licensed professionals and we all are responsible for the care in which we get, mm-hmm. according to the state. So we are obligated to ask our own questions, even if the questions are similar. I should not be getting the information from the triage nurse. I need to collect my own data so that I know that what I'm doing is accurate and correct. Because if I do something wrong, I can't say because the doctor told me to mm-hmm. or because the triage, that's what the triage nurse said, no. As medical professionals, we're obligated to make our own assessments. So please be patient and please be um, kind enough to just give us the story. Mm-hmm. Listen, you're going to tell your story about four to five times. Mm-hmm. Period. Point blank. That's just the way and it is. And another
1: thing too, make sure you are completely honest with us about your story. Listen, if you did some bullshit, tell me. I did some bullshit. And this is the bullshit right. that I did. Be honest about it. Even if it's something embarrassing, you have to tell us so we know how to fix the problem. Regardless of what the issue is, doesn't matter how embarrassing it is, we need to know what it is. If you did some bullshit, tell us, hey, nurse, I did some bullshit, and this is the bullshit that I did. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. We're going to fix you up. This is what we're going to do. We need to know. Right. You got to be honest with us.
0: I've had patients that, have you taken any drugs? No. Okay. Let me get your urine. Let me do your drug. I mean, some blood worth like that. This shit come back positive. Like, yo. Mm-hmm. This could be the reason why like all of these other issues are going on. So yeah, I'm with that. Mm-hmm. Honesty is key because the more honest you are, the faster we can fix the problem and the faster maybe we can disposition you, which is to send you home or discharge you. Mm-hmm. So don't let us go on a whole investigation about your foot when the real problem is something else. Yeah. You know what I mean? So be be honest with us. So once the nurse comes in, makes the assessment, does the interview, asks you a million and one questions. Next up, Um, is the doctor is going to come in and ask you a million and one questions and assess you. And again, the doctor should have a stethoscope. The doctor and the nurse, I'm going to take it back, needs to make make sure their hands are clean. Ask them to wash their hands or use hand sanitizer in front of you. Mm -hmm. Make sure they're clean before they touch you. Anyway, the doctor is going to come in and do a full head to toe assessment as well and ask you what your problems are from the assessment and what your complaints are they're going to create what we call a plan of care Mm -hmm. and what a plan of care is is going to determine how we're going to start to treat your symptoms or your problems what diagnostic tests we're going to do and um things like that right anything else in the plan of care no that's basically it. it yeah Mm -hmm. Right. So once the doctor sees you, they're going to order, depending on what you complain about, they're going to order diagnostic testing. Mm -hmm. In that diagnostic testing, it may be blood work, it may be urine, it may be an x-ray, it may be an EKG, it may be a CAT scan, depending on what it is that you complain about. Again, Mm -hmm. once it's ordered, you'll get a visit from your nurse again, who will implement these orders so if they're going to be drawing blood they let you know um and and really it's okay for you to ask exactly what blood is being drawn for the doctor should have explained it to you once they come up with a plan of care they should explain it to you but sometimes they don't but that's what your nurse is there for right Mm -hmm. feel free to ask us what what you're drawing blood for why am i maybe going for this test what is this test about or whatever questions you have Mm -hmm. you know feel free to ask us. Mm -hmm. So once we finish with diagnostic testing, what's next, Spellen?
1: Pretty much after diagnostic testing is done, labs are done. In between that, you know, your nurse may be administering you medications as well. You know, you have a right to ask what the medications are for and what do they do. You have every right to ask that, you know, depending if you're coming in for pain, We'll probably give you some pain medication or something just to make you comfortable. And pretty much after that is the waiting game. We have to wait for your lab, your lab's to result. CAT scans come back, ultrasound, X-ray, everything to come back. Once everything is back, the doctor should have a diagnosis and a disposition for you. So a diagnosis is basically what your major problem is. What the issue is, right. what's, what's the issue is a disposition. What
0: the diagnostic testing basically revealed. Today. Diagnostic
1: testing will reveal pretty much like results of diagnostic testing, as far as results for diagnostic testing, will reveal like pretty much um, results of CAT scans, results of x rays, results of ultrasound. For example, like, you know, um, somebody could have something like appendicitis. You know, right. um, a young lady could come with an ectopic pregnancy. You right. Know? these or I need mean, so uh, things like that so
0: they pull together your complaints with the results of your diagnostic test and they come up with a diagnosis mm-hmm. and so once they come up with the diagnosis the MD should meet with maybe the nurse and you and discuss what's going on and what your diagnosis is going to be and what you can do to maybe prevent it next time or what meds they may need to send you home with or or whatever it is to treat what is going on with you mm-hmm. at that time yep so once um the doctor comes and discusses with you what your diagnosis is and how to treat it they're going to set up a disposition for mm-hmm. you and what a disposition is is the next step whether it's going to be for you to be discharged some dispositions is listen, you have appendicitis. This is an emergency. You have to go to the um, OR, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to be admitted. Um, Some dispositions are, listen, you don't really need to be admitted, but we can't really send you home. Uh, We want to monitor you overnight. So you're not really admitted, but you're not discharged. It's called like an observational kind of like unit, right? So those are give or take. Any more dispositions? Those are that's about, about it, right? it. And
1: That's pretty much about it, you know. Sometimes, yeah. worst case scenario, transfer to another hospital, you know, but still okay, yeah. But you know, they'll still be admitted. Right. Yeah, that's
0: still, consi- yeah, right. That's still yeah. considered right. Yeah. still will consider an admission. So if you're being discharged, we're not really gonna talk too much about admission um right now, but if you're being discharged, your discharge instructions will be given to you by your nurse. In the discharge instructions, it should include what your visit was about, what the doctor's findings were. Um, It should discuss what your next step should be. Should you go to the pharmacy and pick up some meds? Should you follow up with your primary care physician in a couple of days? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you need to stay out of work for a day or two? Whatever the case may be, once you leave that facility, it should all be in your discharge instructions. And it really should be explained to you in detail by your nurse. Mm Right?
1: Yep, Exactly. The nurse should be able to tell you what meds, where your meds are going. The meds are sent electronically now. Um, what each medication right. is for, do a little bit of teaching on it. As far as whatever issue you came into the ER with, whatever diagnosis they came, they gave you, they should be going over some sort of teaching with you. So,
0: yeah. So that is what a, a walk-in triage kind of looks like. So if we're going to quickly discuss what like an ambulance triage look like, it is slightly different, mm-hmm. right? So when you're in an emergent situation, our goal is to make sure that you're stable. Before we are collecting all this history and all these things, well, that's not really true. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. We want to keep you stable. We do we try to simultaneously collect history. Mm-hmm. As opposed to it being triage, then prioritizing, then you know what I mean. It's kind of like everything is happening, kind of sort of at one time. Mm-hmm. So triaging is happening, and it's usually not from the patient per se. It's usually from the ambulance report in this case when it's an emergency situation, or if there's some family members that was there at the time. We're usually getting information and history from someone else when it's an
1: emergency. That's true. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's pretty true. If the patient can't can't talk for themselves. Then you know we'll get the history from the from the um, the paramedics or EMTs or the family members. You know, there's sometimes the patients can vocalize, and you know, it, it, you know, it's all dependent on what they're coming in for. Anybody who's coming in via ambulance, it's like you anticipate that you know they have more needs than somebody who's coming in through walk-in triage. Well, As you yeah, you expect, yeah. that's what you expect. Yeah.
0: So when you come in through the ambulance, your triage and your registration is definitely happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And then what's different is treatment before history a lot of the times mm-hmm. in um, the ambulance triage. And then we want to make sure the patient is stable. So we're doing a lot of stabilization um, before we collecting data sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's all,
1: yeah. As long as it's like, you know, because if the ambulance is bringing a patient in and you know, once it's a legit emergency, then, of course, it's stabilization. Everything is happening simultaneously. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, then we do data collection, diagnosis, and then dispo. And usually if in an emergent situation, the disposition will be to be admitted, whether it's going to be at that facility or being transferred to another facility. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever seen, I'm sure you have, have you ever seen someone come in through the ambulance and been
1: discharged? You're discharged yeah. in the back? Accident. Absolutely.
0: Car accidents, right? I know. Car accidents Absolutely. that come in sometimes. If the accident wasn't so severe, you just do, like,
1: a couple of x-rays If everything looks yeah. good, they go Exactly, home. you know, because the thing with the ambulance, like, it's, like I said, everything is all pending. Like, you know, sometimes you have your patients that come in via ambulance, and they're not, you know, they're not that, how could I say it? Like, pretty much, they're stable coming but they did need an ambulance and they can be discharged home so yes registration and triage is happened simultaneously and they can be placed in an area but you know the anticipation is that you know they may be seen a little bit quicker that's what sometimes is anticipated but it's all dependent on what's happening in the institution as well so but you know yeah and just know that when the ambulance is coming to going to a facility an emergency
0: room they are giving a full-blown report so we kind of have an idea what's coming through the door whether this is someone that's a real life emergency or whether it's somebody that's playing games and know that when they come via the ambulance that they get seen quicker now mm-hmm. a lot of the times people that work in the emergency rooms everybody starts off at some point. But when you're talking about triaging, usually that's someone with a lot of experience, um, so we can kind of weed out the bullshit. Mm -hmm. So, I say all that to say, like, you know, while I'm for my Black people, you know, we got to make sure that we're doing the right things, because we can sniff you guys out, the Mm bullshit.
1: There's quite a few times, people. People will call 911 an ambulance because they think they're going to get seen quicker. And, you know, (laughs) If you got a motherfucker like me in the back or some of my other colleagues, you know, listen, we see you coming in for bullshit. It's okay. You can wait a little bit. It's okay. Pretty much, if anything, you know, you got to understand it's frustrating on part because it's a waste of resources sometimes. Like, you know, if you're coming in, you call 911 for leg pain you've been having for seven months, then you're walking too. You know, you you can wait a little bit longer. You you'll be fine. You
0: can wait a little bit longer because there's somebody next to you that had their leg their leg has been amputated from a car exactly, accident that they had 10
1: minutes. Exactly, ago. exactly. Or I got somebody who's coming in who is short of breath, could barely breathe with an oxygen saturation that's very low, you know. And you know, right. these this is this is you know, this is what happens here.
0: Yeah. All right. So I hope that you all have learned something in this episode. And, you know, just be mindful when you go to the emergency rooms that these things are going to be taking place. Um, Make sure that you know your doctor. Make sure you know your nurse. Make sure you are aware of every step of the process. And just power is in education. So I just wanted to make sure that I educate my people on what to expect when you visit the ER. I appreciate you, Spelling, for coming on. I expect to see you on in future episodes. Absolutely. And I cannot wait till your podcast comes out. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have. Mm -hmm. Remember everyone, your health is most definitely your wealth.